today we're going to go into kind of, kind of slipping out of our passion for his missions in a sneaky kind of way uh, back into something that he's equally passionate about, and that is family. All right, so off the back of what we've been talking about, not, not forgetting all that, but really just uh, moving into a, a one-off sermon about family. And, and I'm going to just be upfront with you and honest with you, okay? Um, I've got nothing to hide. My objective today is to finally get you to join a life group. Okay? <laughs> uh, open cards on the table. Uh, that's what this message is about. And if you have not been a part of life groups, or if you have been part of life groups, um, I want to talk to you about the start of our life groups this year and encourage you and motivate you with some principles of why we as OSC describe ourselves as a church of life groups, not the church that does life groups on the side. Our church really does consist of people in life groups. And that means if you're not in a life group, that there is a essential part of our church life, our church DNA, our identity that you're not getting, that you, uh, you, uh, you don't see, you don't experience. Um, and I believe you're missing out on the greatest part of this church family. Because uh, I'm definitely going to say that uh, our life groups and the experiences there is better than my preaching. God wants us to be in relationships. And the best thing about life groups are that they are very, they're, they're, they vary in kind of their style, their purpose. Uh, we have life groups that are very um, honed in on helping people get through things that they're struggling with. But then we just have life groups that just um, study how to win in life. Uh, like I'm starting a life group now with a couple of men and, and my topic is just, it's the game of life. How do we play it according to God's rules? And what does that mean for us? And so we're looking at scripture from that lens and studying the scripture from that lens to try and see, okay, so what is my purpose as a man? How do I live that out in, in light of God's word? And uh, then there, there are other life groups that are, um, you know, more centered around activities. And so we have so many different life groups that essentially all you need to do is figure out which one is what and, and what is what you need right now in this season of your life and decide to join that one. So I want you to look at this page, that I, this little card we gave you guys, um, because it has the information on there for, uh, for, for, for the life groups. Now, um, later on in the, in the, in the message, you're going to see a, uh, a little testimonial about a lady who joined a life group. And that was the life group that went through the freedom curriculum. Freedom life groups are a life group season where you deal with things out of your past that have become obstacles to you living free in God's future, God's present and into his future. And so she testifies about that kind of a life group. Um, and uh, we don't, we're not going to do those kinds of life groups this semester. So just the FYI, we'll relaunch those next semester. Um, but right now, these are the life groups that we have. I want you to look at them, look at the times, look at the places, uh, the days, and just think practically in your life, which one of these could potentially work for you at this point. Um, and then as we go on, we'll We'll make more mention about that. And then I want to draw your attention to this little card here as well. This has the, the journey, the devotional journey that we as a church 
decided to go on this year all mapped out for the next two months because instead of just doing a once a week midweek devo we're doing daily devos where we're digging into God's word and we decided we're going to go through the whole New Testament together starting with Matthew ending just before the book of Revelation we'll we'll catch that one at another round it wasn't enough time on the calendar to (laughs) still hit Revelation as well Um, but we're literally doing a chapter a day a chapter a day helps you read through the whole New Testament. And then what we have on the back is a method of studying Scripture that helps you hear God speak to you through Scripture. How many of you have read the Bible before and you kind of go like, well, what am I supposed to make of this? Yeah, I see all of it and there's a bunch of information you know, about God and spirituality and all that. But what's God saying to me? This will help you with that. It helps you to see Scripture from a viewpoint of um, making observations based on what commands there are, based on who is talking, based on what their activities are, what they're doing. It helps you to kind of just see deeper into the Word, into that chapter, what's going on there. And then the eighth of the SOAP method, as we call it, is called for application. That's when you ask yourself, so what does this mean for me today? How do I apply it to my walk with God currently because what we want everybody to experience is the joy of actually hearing the voice of the holy spirit through scripture it's one thing listening to somebody else and what they've observed from scripture how they applied it to their life and then encourage you to do the same and pray about it it's a totally another thing to actually get that yourself when you read the bible and you ask yourself you know what am i observing and what does that mean for me today you you start feeling that Oh my goodness, God is speaking to me because He is so faithful. The Bible says that the word, the God is he's, um, he's eager to perform His Word in you. That means when you look at Scripture, the Holy Spirit is right there. He's ready to speak to your heart. But if you don't actually just have a little grid like this that help you listen to what He wants you to say, we often just read and we feel like we're not getting anything out of it. So that's why we made this. Take this and go and start studying Scripture this way. You get better over time. But this is also how we do our daily devos. So at 7 each, each morning, you can catch that on Facebook or, or, um, or YouTube. Or if you don't want to be on social media that time of day, just text uh, the word daily devos with an S at the end, one word, to 94,000. Just text that to that number and you get a little link every morning and basically you know, you, it opens up a video and you're done. Uh, it takes you five to seven minutes and you can kind of get going, see how we do it and model it over there so that you can do it in your private time with God as well. So let's head into today. We are talking about being family. We are family. I mean, one of the be- most beautiful experiences I had was when I stepped into OSC the first time in 2018. Um, and uh, a person that I'd known for a while uh, came over to me. It's my first time in an, in an OSC service, and here's the words he, tell, he said to me. He said, welcome home, Jay. I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, my first time walking through those doors, and um, it was like, for me, he was saying, you know what, you're not just here to work at this place. We receive you as family. We receive you being here as God saying that you need to be a part of this spiritual family. So I want to show you a bit about that. How does family really work and how does it happen? And, 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 and just flipping back about, I think it's now 13, forgive me, my wife, if I'm wrong, 14, 13, 14 years. Um, uh, but what, you know, since this happened, Beautiful day in my life. Um, you know, you can see how fresh I was there. Uh, you know, 
My wife still looks exactly the same. Uh, I, however, has, you know, uh, the prune has gotten a hold of my face. Uh, but uh, that was, man, one of the greatest days of my life. I remember meeting my wife um, in church. I remember meeting my wife two years before that as a part of me serving in God's family. And her, she was part of a ministry that joined our spiritual family. And, and so both her and I were serving the Lord in what God had called us to do before we met each other. I think there's something that needs to be said about that, especially for young people, is that God wants you to figure out your calling before you find your mate. Because here's the number one question you're going to have to ask your mate. Are you willing to serve Jesus and follow Jesus to where I'm willing to serve and follow Him? Because if you're not, then we can never be a thing. Because Jesus will always be my number one. If you want your relationship to work, you have to start it out from that vantage point. Relationships with Jesus in the center are the relationships that has the best chance of working for both parties and produce God's product. And so her and I both were in ministry. She was in youth ministry. I was in, in college ministry. And uh, uh, God brought us together. And, and you know, things changed and shifted over, over time. She came and joined me in college ministry instead. And, um, and, 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 and you know, we had to make adjustments for each other at the end of the day. But, but the bottom line of it is, is that those were always because Jesus' direction for our lives dictated it. Not because I wanted something and, and, and she had to adjust to me or the other way around. It was following Jesus that, had to, that caused us to kind of, you know, had to adjust certain things of our lives. But Jesus has always been the primary pursuit in both of our lives. Um, and you know, when, when you, when you kind of hang around each other and you like each other, you know, some, sometimes things happen and, and you know, this is, the, this is the result of what happened um, you know, uh, after hanging out with each other for a while, it's, it's, and it's, it's, it's not like, like a, you know, that I, that I really love children that I happen to have for. It's, it's kind of like, I just like my wife. And so, you know, that sort of happens. Uh, these two in front here will tell you what happens when you really like your spouse, uh, um, sometimes even by accident, which, uh, you know, <laughs> our accident, never God's, right? God always fully intended to bring every person that came into, into existence to life here on earth in this time. He has a purpose for each and every one of them. Well, we celebrate with you guys. I don't know if it's public yet, but it's now. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, Anyway, so, so family happens when, you know, when you, when, you, when you get together and you interact each, with each other. But let me show you some, some people that I also met uh, uh, along the way. You might recognize uh, top left, uh, some people there, um, Zach and Claire. For those of you who don't know, they're the, they're the ones who started this church. But what you don't know is that I knew them before any of you. I knew them since 2007 when they came to South Africa on a missions trip. And then the two characters to the right, to, to, to your to right, is uh, Pastor Josh and Lindsay. And uh, I know Pastor Josh looks way more mature and like, you know, <laughs> right now. I, was a kind of, I caught him with a sheepish little uh, grin on his face. Uh, uh, we were on a safari in South Africa. Uh, we were showing them a lot of our, um, you know, wild animals and things. And it was just a great time. But I met these people in 2007. And you know what? I would never have thought at that time that, what are we, 2007 
plus seven plus seven. Fourteen years later, I would stand in a church in Crowley, Louisiana, leading a church with them in ministry here at OSC in Louisiana. I would have never, never thought that that would have been a, a thing that could happen. But I want to say something about that because I just keep that picture up there. Um, 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 Lance. Uh, you know what? When I met these people, do you know Zach and Claire got, got, got engaged in my country? They, at that trip, I don't know if they were just yet. That was shortly after or before they got engaged that I took that picture. But they got engaged by us on that mission trip. And, and we, we never knew at that point that I would take over his church that he started. Right? But we started building relationships. Their pastor, my pastor, we became spiritual family to each other. You know, when Pastor Bubba was diagnosed with cancer, I think it was 2010 or something, we knew. We knew immediately that happened because of the relationship that had taken place, because the, the spiritual family that we had begun to be for each other based off of the relationships that was formed. We're not in the same church movement that naturally brought us together. We built relationship and that that kept us together. We started interceding and praying for Pastor Bubba to be healed of his cancer. When Pastor Josh, his little son, got, um, got diagnosed with his lung condition, we knew about that. And we started praying for them from South Africa and checking in, hey, how's it going with them? You know, when we knew that something was coming up, hey, praying for you guys when this procedure is done. We're trusting God with you for his full recovery, for his healing. We were building relationship across the Atlantic through time zone differences, through you know, communication challenges. But we knew God had made us family and we were going to foster those relationships. And we never knew what that would result into. But let me tell you another little funny thing. Back in the day, you know, online commercial activity wasn't as accessible as it is today, right? So in South Africa, if you wanted to buy things online uh, through, you know, eBay or, or Amazon or those kinds of, I don't know if Amazon was there yet, but eBay, for instance, you had to fake a United States address, right? So you kind of had to try to circumvent international, you know, movement of whatnots and those kinds of things. And so guess what I did? Guess where I lived? For a, for, since 2007 till just, you know, shortly before we came here. I lived in 1830 South Lake Arthur Avenue in, in Jennings. You know what that is? That's our Jennings office's address. <laughs> you know, so I was like, hey man, I need to pull a little trick here to try and, you know, be able to, you know, to do these things online. God said, you think that's a neat trick? Let me show you a trick. <laughs> couple of years later, guess where I lived? <laughs> guess where I worked? From home. <laughs> we could have never thought that these relationships would have resulted in what we're seeing today. But that's what can happen when you join yourself with people relationally. That's what can result. Good things like this can happen. God was setting us up all this time. He was planning for this to happen. You think you're here because you decided to come? <laughs> I've got news for you. You were set up. You've been set up. God has planned for you to be here. You think you might just be here because you know, you're with family. <laughs> you're not. You've been set up. God meant for you to be 
here and he has been moving and shifting and changing and, and orchestrating things so that his plan could come to pass in your life right now. That's why God doesn't want you to just be on the fringes you know, involved. And, and, and He wants you to buy into what's happening here because it's been his plan for you all along. brought us here because that was his plan all along i could have never seen this happen you know what god does not want us to walk alone he wants us to be in family he wants us to be in good healthy family where there are fathers in our lives where there are um and, and with that, I will say mentors, if you want to have it that way, where there are you know, people that we speak into, mentees, or people that we disciple, people that we help and influence and, and, and guide and direct in their walk with God. And then just, just brothers and sisters, friends that just walk alongside us. God wants each and every one of us to experience that. And you know what you can't do? You can't experience that fully if you're just part of the international, global, spiritual family called christians that's why watching church online is never sufficient because it doesn't bring you into circles it just keeps you in rows it just keeps you in a screen and you know what they um they did a study a huge huge study uh okay remind me to come back to the study let me let me let me say something about that study in a minute but that's why church for god is not a place where you just attend an event it's a family that you need to belong to. And for God, it's always been about family. Um, when you decide to connect and commit into a spiritual family, a local spiritual family like this, what you're doing is you're actually saying yes to what God has been actually planning the whole time. You're saying yes to and you connect to God's intentional plan for your life. He intended for you to be here. You're just saying, all right, God, let me get in on what you've been planning for me. You're, you're stepping into what he has been preparing you to do. So let's look at God for a second because the reason why God wants us to experience family in church is because He is a family in Himself. He is described in the Bible as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit right from the start. If you, if you can read Genesis 1, you read the creation story, you see the Trinity in the first page of the Bible. You see the Creator or the origin, which is Padre, which is Father. That's what the word Father means in the original language. It's origin. You see the Creator. You see the Word represented and you see the spirit of god represented that is the trinity of god later uh, uh, later explained and later uh, 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 presented to us as father the word as son as the word becomes flesh and the holy spirit the indwelling spirit of god but the trinity is right there from the beginning and it goes through the whole bible but what we see in genesis 1 is that the trinity is in a relational harmony there's unity and there's 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 a there's a there's a working together like the like god creates through sending out the word and the holy spirit comes and does the actual work he performs the actions on on earth we spoke about that when we talked through uh, you know who is the holy spirit last year in a series but then in the end of chapter 1, you, hear, you read these words. Then God said, let us make man. God didn't just make man and then he said, oh, by the way, Jesus, there's some more you know, 
creations or creatures that you need to go take care of. Holy Spirit, I made some more stuff. Please go and attend to it. No, there was an agreement among them that this is what they were going to do. God created out of relational unity, out of context of family. And that is what he wants us to experience. So get this. He creates Adam. What does God declare over Adam? Remember, he says everything that he creates. This is good. 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 He creates man. At this point, man is sinless. At this point, man is holy. He's perfect. There's nothing wrong with man. Some of you ladies can't think that there would be a time where there was something like that. Yes, he was perfect. But in Genesis 2.18, this is what he says. The Lord God said it's not good for him to be alone. Not good for him to be alone. Any of you men out there thinking that it's okay, it's better for you, you're, you're better off when you're out there on your own doing your own thing. You're not. <laughs> not even the perfect man was okay according to God's eyes, to be alone. How much more now that we, when we are sinful, when we are broken as people, do we need family around us? We need family more than we might even realize ourselves. It was vital for God to put Adam in family. So not only Adam could have what he needed on earth, just in the physical sense, Adam needed to have the right perspective of who God was. And to be able to represent God to the rest of this earth there to multiply and subdue, he had to understand family. He had to understand that God is a family man. It's always been about family. It came from family. And when he lost family, his whole objective began to regain family. God is a family man and he wants family with you and I. And he wants you and I to experience family. And the best place where you and I can experience that is actually in a local church. Now sin came and it did break relationship. Because it broke this relationship, therefore it breaks this relationship. Which means the inverse is also true. If you want to fix these relationships, you first have to fix that relationship. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But it is not good for us to be outside of family. In fact, um, there's this company called Cigna, and they are a, like a worldwide health organization that promotes healthy living and you know, gives advice to people on how to help, live healthy. Uh, one of their chief medical officers said the following. He said, loneliness has the same impact on your body as smoking 15 cigarettes a day has. This was the outcome of the study. That loneliness has the same, it has the sa- and in fact it reduces your lifespan in the same way smoking 15 cigarettes a day reduces it. And in fact, in this case, because of that, it makes being lonely, more dangerous than being obese. The health implications of being lonely is more detrimental to your health than being obese. It's fascinating. And it's, but it makes total sense. Because you weren't designed to walk alone. And if you walk outside of your design, you're going to experience the detrimental impacts and after effects of that. God designed us to walk in relationship and so that's why he sent his son jesus because he knew if we couldn't fix this relationship first we would never be able to fix this relationship and why really there's only one way that you can create unity between people that are of a different opinion and that is if you create a supra 
reality. A reality that resides both over this part and that part that can say, hey, you need to change in this way and you need to change in this way. There's only one way that you can actually create unity in humanity and that's through Jesus Christ. That's why no political party or government or anyone can ever create unity. They can't. Because when you have differences of opinion, which one does it go to? Neither. Until there is a superior opinion that both has to bow the knee to, would you be able to create unity? And so he knew that, and that's what he wants us to experience in church. It's a place where we all lay down our opinions, and we all elevate and acknowledge his opinions and ideas, and all strive towards living out his ideas. But until we do that, there's no unity to be found, and there never will be. But God wants us to have that, that place of harmony. And so, so, because that's who He is, right? And so that's why He creates this possibility. If we will all be fixed, our relationship with Jesus and God the Father through Jesus, we have a chance of actually creating unity again. But until I am willing to move from my position towards Christ and the other party is, nothing's going to happen. But that's what He calls us to. His Moving from our opinion to his opinion always will move us to closer relationship with one another, not the opposite. And so that's also why Jesus walked with people relationally. Think about this. Jesus, um, it's, not even, it's not even difficult. Like other humans have gone on and, 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 and did crusade ministries across the whole of Africa. The continent have seen so many crusades where now there are more Christians in Africa than there are actual people alive. Why? Because this guy would hold a crusade, a million people would show up there, all give their lives to Jesus, and then the next crusade comes the next week, and the same million people give their lives to the Lord over there. Now you have two million people saved, but you only have one million people alive. Jesus could have followed that strategy easy with his ability to perform miracles and to read people's minds and you know speak prophetically over people's hearts. And he could have he could have led things like that, but he didn't. In fact, in Matthew 5, you see when crowds gathered, Jesus walked away. And then when he sat up on a mountaintop. And then it says that his disciples came to him. And then he taught them. Yes, he did minister to the crowds. But you see this pattern constantly with Jesus. He withdrew and went to a quiet place. And he sat down with his disciples. And them he taught. Them he explained his parables to. Them he helped to understand the difference between what their traditions were and what... The other ones, he just broke in parables. He just gave them uh, uh, you know, um, truths packaged in little things that would intrigue them and, and, and get them to think about what they're doing, whether it's actually righteous or not. But to his disciples, he spoke clearly. Why? Because he was in a relationship with them. He helped those men to change their ways. And that's what, in our life groups, that's what we want to do. Is we, we don't, we're not there to just transfer more knowledge to you. No. That's the place where we ask, okay, how are you living this out? And, 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 and if you're not, then we want to encourage. He's like, come on, man, you can do this. This is to your benefit if you follow God's pattern. Jesus modeled a relational way of discipleship. And you know why? I think Jesus knew this. If that little card that I gave you, it says this at the top. Growth happens in circles, not just rows. 
Why? Because this context here doesn't necessarily grow your and my relationship. Right? It's not the purpose of this meeting to grow relationship. In relationship is where I can ask you, how are you implementing this in your life? And, 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 and you can tell me, this is how I'm doing it. And I can say, hey man, let me, let me pray for you and encourage you in that. Or I, I don't know how to do this. How do I do this? And I can, with you, so, okay, what does the Bible say? How do we do this? And then I can go, all right, you're going to try this? And you can go, all right, I'll give it a shot. And the next week you come back, man, I didn't get it. I couldn't do it. All right, what kept you back? Well, I think it was this. All right, let's pray about that. It's in circles where those interactions take place, and that's where growth happens. It's where we actually change. We become more like Jesus. That's why Jesus got a, got a circle of close people around him. He couldn't afford leaving this earth and his disciples not having transformed their hearts and their ways. He had to see them to that place where their lives started looking like it, not just their heads agree with it. And that's why it's so important that we allow ourselves to be in relationships with other men and other women like that, because as we study Scripture, it's not enough to just study it and, and look at what, what we want to know. Why would you want to know it if you're not going to do anything about it? It just defies the point. But that's what we want to do. Is We want to actually learn how to do it. And that's why we need people around us that can help us with that, that can encourage us to keep doing it. When we struggle, to, when it doesn't work, when we're frustrated, we can just say, hey, I, I've been there. But God broke through. And if you'll remain faithful, God will break through for you too because He's not a respecter of person. He just acts on those who have faith, on behalf of those who have faith. God wants us to experience that type of relationship and that does not happen in a, from a distance. And it cannot happen through a screen. Um, one thing that needs to be said about this family of God is that you can't join God's family by joining a church. You join God's family by being born again into it. And we've spoken a lot about that, but it's important to be said that you're not just a Christian because you, you agree with what the Bible says. You're a Christian when you actually put your trust in what the Bible says. And you start living according to what the Bible says you, should, you ought to live, 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 live according to. You don't base your righteousness on your own good works. And how much you're you know, serving the church or helping other people. or You base your righteousness solely on the fact that you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. And what he did on the cross for you. That causes you to be born again into spiritual family. And then the next step after that is to celebrate and be public about it. Let me give you an example. Have you ever seen somebody you know, in the process of adoption, ad- adopting a child? Hey, we're adopting a child. Everybody goes, oh, that's awesome, that's awesome. Time goes by, time goes by, updates given, Facebook, all right, we met with these people, da, 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 da. Yeah, everything seems okay, you know, some people need to come and vet us, and so there's meetings, oh, we're seeing this person this day, and da, 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 da. And then somewhere, some day, they get the message, you were approved, your a child has been, um, uh, you know, matched with, with your family, and and everybody knows that moment that that happened, right? But that's still not it. You know when the real, the real moment happens? is that day when you get 
an introduction to the child. Either through Facebook or something says, World, we want you to meet Jonathan Jones. And my family, my name is there for Jones. So, you know, this is our son. You know what the Bible says? When you become a child of God, that happens. You get approved. You get matched in the family of God. Your faith is what saved you. But you know what? When you get baptized, after you have made a commitment of trust in Jesus, it is God saying to the world, this is my son. Meet Kyle Johnson. I'm running out of names here. That's why God is saying, hey, when you repented and you gave your life to Jesus, you have to be baptized. It's your first step of being revealed as, like when Jesus came up out of the water. What does the Bible say? Jesus came up out of the water and God affirmation came on him and says, this is my son, y'all. This is my son. The same thing needs to happen for each and every one of us. If you've not been baptized after you've given your life to Jesus, that's the next first actual step of obedience where you declare the inner reality in an external way as to say, I became a child of God. That's the day I was adopted. Uh, Not the day that I was I celebrate through this and express through this and declare through this that I just got adopted recently. So we're going to do a baptism Sunday um, in, in a couple of weeks from now, at the end of this month. If you've not been baptized as a Christian, if you've not been baptized after you made a decision to follow Jesus, after you've been born again, this is something that you need to consider doing. Because like Jesus said, we need to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And there's something that happens in baptism that affirms your identity as a child of God. Like Jesus, like God said over Jesus, this is my son. God wants that moment where he declares to the world, this is my son. That's why the Bible is called the public declaration of your faith. But if you've done that and you've, if you've put your faith in Jesus, not if, you haven't, if you've been baptized, you become a child of God through faith. Not through action, not through, um, not through works, which baptism, if you wanted to be saved through something like that, would have been a salvation still based on works. No, we're not saying that. We're saying you get saved through your faith. And if you have been saved, if you have acknowledged Jesus as your Lord, the Bible declares of you in Ephesians 2 verse 19 that you are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. See, he walked with them first, and now he wants to walk with us too. And, and the cornerstone, which is Christ Jesus himself. He is the firstborn among many children. And so you and I became his children because, Jesus, because of Jesus. So in the coming weeks, I'm going I'm to let our team prepare us some Lego blocks. We spoke about that last week. But I want, I want you guys to carry around a Lego block for a while. So I'm going to put a little keychain on it, and uh, I'm going to carry it around on my key because I want you to remember that you are meant to connect with other people. You are meant to be a block within a thing, an object that gets built for a purpose, whether that's for a, a child to go and enjoy or something. So you need to be built into something that is going to have a purpose in God's kingdom. Just a Lego, bunch of Lego blocks lying on a heap you know, it's something that we get fussed at about, right, if you're a child, right? But if it's a completed toy and it's on your desk, then it's, now I can play with it. Now I have use for it. 
We need to find our purpose within the building of God's household. And, 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 because that's what we've been designed to do. And um, sometimes we build our lives into stuff that we connect to stuff and to people that because we fail to see the picture that we're actually supposed to model. We, 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 we throw away the lid of the box that actually shows us what we're meant to build and, 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 and then we take those blocks and we try to build something else with it. And we just never can find it. It just never does work. Because you were meant to be a part of the family of God, the household of God. That is... The purpose of that is to show the world, to showcase God's love and God's relationship to the world. That's our purpose as the church. Ephesians 3.10, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display His wisdom and in its rich variety to the unseen rulers and to the whole earth, all the authorities and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, is that the church would be a place that showcases his love, that he wanted to reach the world with his love and his, his, his relationship through the church. That's your and my job. That's why we say we're called to make disciples. Each and every one of us are part of the church. We're all called to make disciples. That's God's plan. Like Jesus made disciples. His disciples made disciples. Their disciples made disciples, resulting in cross-continental discipleship that led to us here in America hearing the word of God. Or maybe we came from Europe. I don't know. You know the history there. With the word of God. But God's plan has always been for you to be a member in a household where you form part of the purpose of that household. This house's purpose is to reach people and to build lives. That's how we say we're meant to make disciples. <laughs> and our lives are meant to honor God. God is meant for you and you, it's been His intention that you be a part of it. If you connect into spiritual family, the second thing you do is not only do you connect into God's intention for you all this time, you actually connect into vital relationships. You connect into relationships that are able to lead you, guide you, help you, care for you. But you're also connecting into relationships that you can be that for them. You can live a, a service to other people. You can live as, as encouragement to other people. All that happens within the context of family. So whether you're thriving right now or whether you're going through stuff, you're needed in family relationship. Because I think we're all going to be in that place where sometimes we, you know, we receive and at other places we give. I might have lack in this area of my life, but man, I have abundance in this area. So over here, I can be a blessing to others who have lack in such areas. But over here, I can also receive help. I can also receive perspective. I can also be told, hey, you can't see this because it's living in your blind spot. Whereas if I weren't in relationship with people, wouldn't even have the guts to come up to me and tell me, hey, there's something that you're doing. You don't know this, but it's actually displeasing to God. And you could go, well, well what is it? And they tell you what it is. And you go like, oh my goodness, yeah, I can see how that can be displeasing to God. I just never knew about that. Now that I know, oh my goodness, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this, right? But having no, nobody willing to even talk to you about that, that's you trying to live Christianity out there on your own. 
We cover each other. We help each other see further than our own two eyes and perspective and in a line of sight are able to help us see. We connect into vital relationships that can further us in our, hopefully, our uh, uh, objective to become more like Jesus. In Psalm 68, it says, God places the lonely in families. And don't think of lonely as destitute in this in this context. Just think of it as those who are trying to do it alone. But also for those who are destitute. He puts them in family because he knows that's where they will get help. He knows that where they will get help even if they don't know they need help right now. I want to say something to the parents about their children. I know sometimes kids don't want to come to church. But let me tell, this, tell you this today. You're not their friend primarily. I know we all want to be friends with our kids, but you're their parent. And therefore, you need to lead them to Jesus. And, and thinking that, oh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to you know, put pressure on them. Oh, let me, let me just say something. If your child's an adult, okay, just, just dial, dial down the volume for a second. I'll come back to you, okay? I'm talking about you who have kids that are still young. And this is a crowd that many people kind of have kids like that. You're their leader to Jesus, you have to bring them and show them what it is like to follow Jesus. If you'll enjoy following Jesus, if you start living it out with joy in, in, in your heart and a desire, they will see that and will want to follow suit. If you hate coming, man, you're going to have, you're going to create conflict in their little hearts about coming to church, about being part of life group, about serving, about being involved in ministry. Like Esther and I have always just involved our children in church. And look, don't think that they're pastor's kids and therefore they love church. My boy don't want to go to children's church every Sunday. We have to bribe him, you know. Like, dude, Eden's going to be there. That's one of our best encouragements right now. Ryan's kid. <laughs> they're friends. So I'm like, dude, you don't want to go. You don't want to go. What's Eden going to do? Who's she going to play with? Okay. You know. He ends up going, not all the time, don't worry, it's not on you if you guys don't feel pressure about this. But, you know, yeah, we have to find ways to motivate him to go. Why? Because he needs the word of God just as much as I do, just as much as we do. And I am his parent. I need to model that to him. Now, you make it easier on yourself by actually loving coming yourself, right? If you're coming under obligation, you know, like we spoke about this, this past a um, couple of weeks, like a, like a slave mentality, a religious mindset, or something that we ought to do. Well, we're going to church. Well, it's Sunday. That's what we do on a Sunday. No. That's going to make it difficult for you to lead them to come. But if you lead them from an attitude of, man, this is our pleasure to come spend time with people and, and, and life group and, and serving in church. That's our pleasure. They will learn. Right now, my kids are serving in, in, in kids' ministry. Why? Because it's our pleasure. We just involve them. We've created a slipstream behind us. And, and right, right now, thankfully, they're, they're, they're following in it. Now, for those of you who have kids that are now adults, you know, the worst thing for an adult is to have a parent nagging them the whole time. Uh, uh, your job is not to nag. Your job is to model and to encourage. To model and to encourage and to pray for them. Because they have to now make their own decisions. But, man, 
If you have a child that, 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 that is the, the, the um, teenage age, man, you've got to encourage them to come to OSC Youth. There are people there, just as much as you need to be in a place where there is a circle of people around you that knows what you're going through, that kind of shares your context in life, so, so do they. They need to hear of other teenagers who are battling with you know, issues, battling with you know, faith at school. They need to hear of other teenagers that are maybe you know, having a hard time living this out and, 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 and be in that same place where they can be fed truth from the, the youth leaders that are just, you know, wanting to have more contact and ability to reach out to your teenagers. But if you don't bring them, you know, you can't say, yeah, you can't, you, you, you can't force them to drink. You know, you can bring a, a horse to the water trough, but you can't force them to drink. I know that. But you not bringing them to youth, is not, that's, not, that's, that's you not bringing them to the water. What they get there, that's on them. I know, I understand that. But you have to bring them. Drop them off at the door. That's your job. Now that's the rest taking a drink of the living water that gets shared over there, that's their job. But don't not do your job because you anticipate that they're not going to do theirs. Do your job. Lead your kids to Jesus. Lead them to contexts where they can find Jesus. That's how you honor God as a parent. The same with kids' church. Now, sometimes I know it's just impossible. Like now and then you'll see my boy here, you know, he's just goofing off and I hope he doesn't distract you all too much. But also, even if he's in here, I don't want to fuss at him too much because I want him to still have a a pleasant experience in church. So we're gracious. We'll be gracious if you have to bring your children into this context. If they're crying and all that, don't walk out. It's okay. Get them kind of quiet and if it becomes impossible, okay, I'll understand. But don't think that you're going to inconvenience everybody. This is a family church, y'all. Everybody understands when, it, you know, when there's family things. I want you to receive the word as a mom just as much as your husband that doesn't go out with the kid. Or, or uh, uh, Listen to me, man. Listen, listen. I need... Don't you dare use your child as an excuse to leave this room. <laughs> let's, just be, let's just talk straight right now. Because I know I've done that in time, times past. I'm give you permission to stay. And when it becomes too much, sure, I'll, I'll absolutely, you know, go take care of your child. But don't use your children as, as, as excuses not to serve Jesus and not to put yourself in, 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 in the context where you need to be growing. Hebrews 10 encourages us with this. And this does not just count for us. It also counts for us and our children. It's not a time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the return of Christ. I think there's three obstacles that keep us from doing this, from building into vital relationships. The first one is we don't make a priority of it. We say, I don't have time, but in reality, we all get the same amount of time. We all have time I didn't make time for this is the actual answer we need to give. And if we find this a high enough priority, we will make time for this. The second thing I think is pain. We've been hurt. Or just we, 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 we've been offended. Or we, we feel like, man, you know what? what? Why? I don't understand this. And so you forced me to go. No, I don't want you to be, feel forced to be here, but I want you to know that Yes, people might hurt you, but people will also help you heal. 
And when you get hurt through people and you write off people, your healing is, is going to be frustrated. You're going to find it very hard to heal. In fact, Matthew knows, Matthew 18 speaks about this. It talks about contentions and conflict between church members. Right now, we have a bunch of people not attending our services because they're offended at other people who, are in, who they think are in the services. What they don't know is none of them are coming. Man, that, for me, that's just unnecessary. Can one of y'all just come, please? <laughs> Can you kind of just text, how are you going? I'm not going. All right, I'll go this time. All right, you go next time. Come on. Matthew 18 says, if somebody hurts you, go tell them. Just go say it. Man, when you said that, it hurt my feelings. Man, when you said that, I felt unfairly treated. The Bible says, if they hear you, what if you get this response? Jeez, man, I, 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 I didn't realize. I'm so sorry. What if you get that response from that guy? No, but what we think is we're going to get is like, well, pick a finger. That's the response we think we're going to get. But what if you get the other response? And boom, you're back. The Bible says you've gained a brother. You've gained a sister. All that weight and that bitterness and that, you know, that running that scenario over and over and over in your head, just done. You don't have to deal with that anymore. Life is light again. God wants us to get past our pain. The, lo- the last thing I think that keeps us from connecting into these vital relationships, I th- sometimes it's pride. And it's just like, you know what, I got this. I don't need people. You do. Last point. When you connect into spiritual family, what you do is you connect to God's supernatural supply. Man, I've got thousands of testimonies about this over the course of my life. From the, from the time when I was a, a college kid that didn't have money to buy food, that basically lived off of black black toast, uh, black coffee and toast, dry toast. That, that's kind of what, what I had budget for. So I would always have a brown bread and I would have coffee, which was not even real coffee. It was like those trickery things. So that's all I could afford. That's what I had for, for, for eating. Look, I gained weight in college. You know why? Because I had friends. I had other Christian friends who loved me. I loved them. They benefited from my passion to serve Jesus, and I would always encourage them. I benefited from their parents feeding them. Um, But that's what family does. It takes care of each other. It provides when you need provision. Maybe it's just a hand to hold the what now down until you could have hit it with a nail gun or something. But maybe it's even a little bit more necessary. To f- maybe you need somebody to just pray with you right now. Maybe you need somebody to just stand with you because you're going through a hard time. You connect into God's supernatural supply for anything physical, emotional, and spiritually. God can guide you because there are other people around you who have been where you are, who have broken through and can help you break through in that same spot. I want to show you a little video clip. And remember I said this is the person who went through a particular life group called Freedom. And this is her, this is her testimony about just her fears stepping into that and how it, how it worked out for her. Let's check out that one. 
My name is Patricia Gasbord. We've been coming to OSC for seven years. Well, myself seven years, and then my spouse kind of jumped in a year later. I had heard about life groups every single semester. And every single semester, I was like, I should join a life group. And then the devil would start working on me, and he would be like, you don't need a life group. You, If you join a life group and you connect with people and you show them your vulnerabilities and your weaknesses, then you will hurt your witness. People won't respect you and won't view you as a Christian anymore because you don't fit into the box of what a Christian's supposed to look like. I was obsessed with being in control of how people perceived me. And um, I joined Freedom and the people that God put into my group, um, I feel like were just perfectly designed to meet me where I was. The first couple weeks were hard for me and I was quiet. And they um, they talked about a lot of the things that they struggled with. And um, by them being so open and trusting me to sit in their face and tell me about their stories, I came to a place where God was like, they release to you and it's you can release to them. You don't have to be scared of the people sitting in this room. And I did, and they loved me anyways. It's like when you put that last piece of the puzzle in and you realize that God surrounds you with like just imperfect people who fit with your imperfection too. And it's like when you let go of fear, no matter what it is, if it's fear of people knowing you or if it's fear of not fitting into a group or fear that people will talk about you or whatever the fear is, when you let God break down the fear, there's stuff on the other side that you never even knew existed. I feel free. I feel freer than I've ever felt in my whole life. And I've been saved since I was like eight years old. It was hard. I was attacked from every single corner this year, spiritually, financially, um, even professionally. Um, it just has been a hard year physically. My health, I had COVID and just some other things. But it's like freedom was the final, it was that final physical release of all the things. That weekend was like a physical release of all the things that I had worked so many months on. Learning about myself, figuring out about myself, and then finally saying, I don't have to live with this stuff anymore. In Proverbs 17, there's a verse, verse 17, that says, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in a time of need. We all need friends. Not just friends we can hang out with, but friends that can help us. And I think one of the greatest ways that life groups help us is they help us grow in our relationship with God. They help us become more like Jesus. And um, God has got a life group for you. Like she said, that you know, she felt that you know, God designed the group with people that, that was like what she needed. God has a group for you where you will find, oh my goodness, I might not have thought that I would enjoy this, but I really do do enjoy getting to know other men and other women better. And I do enjoy adding them into my relational sphere and, 
adding them into my existence, showing them what I do with my life and, and, and help and know what they do with theirs. But I also step into a place where I can become open and trust that I will be accepted, where people will know me and love me nonetheless. People will love me enough to show me to the truth. Love me enough to not leave me where I'm at. Love me enough to not just tell me what needs to happen, but to walk with me to get to that place. God didn't call us to build crowds. He called us to make disciples, which means that we're going to have to build family. We're going to have to build relationship with each other. And that doesn't happen in pews. It happens in circles. Let's stand today. I want you to consider in prayer. As we go out, you'll see on the, there's a table to your right where you'll find the names of the people that are on this card that you can go and write your name on and say, all right, I'm willing to start journeying with you guys on my walk with God and my relationship with God. Put your name on there and one of those leaders will contact you and um, they'll tell you what their group is about and then you can decide whether you want to go and join that. Um, and uh, I'm excited. I'm, not only do I have my, uh, a life group with our church leaders, I, I'm also starting my own life group where I can just connect with men. We can just talk about life and just how to win in life. What's my purpose as a man and how do I do that according to the scriptures? And really challenge one another to grow towards Jesus every day. I want to pray for us, but I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you ready to commit to family? Are you ready to experience what God made family to be? And um, for those of you who have not yet become members of our church, I want to encourage you next week, we start what we call next step class. And that's a, a meeting where we discuss what this church family is all about and how you can be a part of it. Because we also look at a little bit about your design and how God has created you. And uh, why did God send you here? Because believe it or not, this church is not just there for you. God actually brought you here because there's something in you that we need. And I want to discover that so I can help you release that so that all of us can benefit from each other's presence. That way we all will walk in our purpose. Let's pray together. Father, we don't want to keep on doing this thing called Christianity our way. Lord, we want to bow our knee to you and ask you to guide us, to direct us. So Holy Spirit, right now, I ask that you speak to every heart that has been reluctant, scared, maybe have come into this place just waiting and just needing to know, all right, what's the next step? That you will work on, on them in such a way, Father, that they'll be willing to step into your intentional plan for their lives. Connect with those relationships that are vital to their own well-being and, and, and your power, your provision. Lead us and guide us to the right group, Lord God, as we make decisions, Father. Speak to us and show us where we need to connect that we'll find people that, we're, we're, that we actually needed without even knowing. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Everybody said... Amen and amen.